Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. John Bray, a single man, eternal pessimist. Yes. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am Heather B. Armstrong. And I am John R. Bray. We are recording. Um. We are recording. We are, we, we are recording. <laughs> We're recording a day later than we usually do because someone, not going to name names, wouldn't do that. No, of course not. Someone signed papers on a house yesterday. Someone did. Someone did by himself. By himself, yes. The person who signed all those papers, according to the papers, was, quote, John Bray, a single man. <laughs> you have to get a you have to get cards that say that. I, sh- I should. John <laughs> like Bray, a calling card. Comma. A single man. I don't understand the reason for that. I mean, I know they have to specify that. They actually say yes, that? Yes, like there were. I I have the copies. Oh, I didn't know oh, no, that. They actually. Oh did yeah, there that? were a couple. It wasn't the ones where it was printed, where like I had to sign above that. But there were places where it had been written in John Bray, comma a single man. I'm like why the fuck? Do, why do Holy you? Holy shit! Why do you need that? I I know they they need to have it in writing that it's just me purchasing. But I would think if it was just my fucking name, that would convey that. Yeah, if it didn't have any other name signed. Right. I I didn't really understand the need for that. But, you know. You it know. was it was what I I mean it, it the first time it popped up, I was like, "What the fuck? Why do you why do you even put that?" I'm disturbed by this actually. I cannot believe they I, I thought you were joking, like making like, you know, as a single man I did this by myself and it's kind of scary. They actually wrote those words down. They actually wrote them. I'll see if I can find it in this stack of papers, uh, one of the examples and take a photo because yeah, it totally caught me off guard. But damn, are there wow. a stack of papers? Holy <laughs> shit. And it's funny because I feel like now you sign a lot of things electronically, which is fine, and mm-hmm. that, that works out. But I feel like I had to then sign everything all over again at closing. Like, and I kept looking at stuff with, with my attorney. I'm like, this, I signed this already. He's like, yeah, I should probably sign it just to be safe. I'm like, no, I, I, re- I spent like an hour and a half reviewing this electronically. Yeah. So what is the point? Yeah. But, you know, you sit there and read yeah, through it. Did they have like that huge stack of papers there for you to sign? Like the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of papers that they have to sort of like flip through and then they get to the signature page and flip through and another signature page and then flip through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, this is saying this, this, this and this. You have to sign here and date here. And then this is saying this. And then they give me like eight copies. What is it? The plat of survey. Is that what it's called? Like multiple copies of that. And we're looking at that. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just over. It gets to the point. You know, where you forget the date, like you don't actually know what you're writing anymore. Like, yeah. And you're kind of like, do I scribble. want this house? <laughs> I know. Like, I'll give you two more signatures and then I walk. I'm done. <laughs> and then they give you, I mean, anyone who's bought a home, this is normal, but they give you like the whole breakdown of your monthly payments for 30 years. Yeah. It's like eight pages long. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, if you look here and look here and look here and you're never going to look at this, you might as well just staple it and file it away. So, yeah, no, it's the same for like every single month, except I think the last month is a little less. But it is weird to look and see like payoff date of, I don't even remember, 20, 2049 or something. I mean, just. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to give you this little bit of a, as someone who is 10 years, a decade older, <laughs> I am so old. I'm so old. 
<laughs> just a tangent. I had a really heavy suitcase because I had a, I bought a lot of things while I was out of town this weekend, and I was picking up my suitcase and completely destroyed a muscle in my shoulder. Okay. And it's getting worse. It's not getting better. And it's just like, oh, this is what happens when you get old. <laughs> I have to ask, though. Were you offered help with that suitcase and you refused? <laughs> oh, man. He was mad. He got oh, mad. I knew it. He was just like, God damn it. <laughs> let me carry that goddamn suitcase. And I was like, I can't accept help. I will do this. I'm not getting old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I remember buying our first house. I was 20, uh, it was 2004. So I was, I was 29 when we bought our first house. Okay. And I, and for some reason that is the only, and we bought three houses. That is the only signing that I remember. Really? Very distinctly. And maybe it was because I had never done it before. And I was like, Jesus Christ, the paperwork, like pages after pages after pages of signatures where your hand starts to cramp from signing so many things. And yeah. I look back at what we paid for that house and I remember looking at, you know, 30 years, 30, bum, 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 30 years. That house, we would have paid it off already if we had stayed in it. If you had stayed, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was tiny, but we would, if we had stayed in it, we would have paid it off. So it's not quite as daunting as it seems? No. Um, especially if you're able to afford it and it's a comfortable payment. Sometimes what you can do is just throw a little bit of extra money at it, which is fine because it's not like it's a credit card. It's a, it's an investment that you're throwing money at. You, hopefully it's an investment. <laughs> hopefully. No, it's actually the, the mortgage guy that I was working with. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said basically a good number to keep in mind is. Like if you if you pay an extra hundred dollars a month, you shave an extra six and three quarters years off yeah. your mortgage. Yeah, which is insane, right? I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, it tells you how much interest you're paying. Exactly. I try to avoid looking at that figure because that <laughs> I know sucks. <laughs> I don't. I mean, if I were to buy again and again, I don't think it would probably stand out to me in terms of like what actually happened. But I think when it's the first, I mean, like you said, that's the only one you remember. So you kind of pay attention. But I could tell even sitting there, it was weird because my agent has been really great. And when we got to the house for the walkthrough, she hugged me and it was she, she was hugged super excited. you all. Oh, yeah. John Bray single man. <laughs> that's right. And it's like the, the closer from the title company. And then did, did he hug you? Uh, no, no. The closer then the two attorneys. And as my attorney's walking through everything, everyone else is just sitting there either quietly staring at paperwork or looking at their phone or like it doesn't nobody gives a shit yeah. because they do this multiple times a day and you kind of like I'm sitting there all of a sudden realizing like this really isn't that special like it is to me but in the bigger picture this is just such a normal thing that none of these people even really care yeah they've all bought and sold houses multiple times themselves they work with people who do it all the time so it kind of it was a little deflating. Not that I wanted everyone to celebrate me, but it was just weird to realize that nobody cares. And it was such a monumental thing for you to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's like, I mean, as a kid, you think, okay, when I have kids, what are they going to be like? When I buy a house, what is that going to be like? You know? Yeah. This is one of those things. Exactly. And it went, I mean, the walkthrough went really well. I think I mentioned it before, but the people who live there had been there for 33 years. So these people knew the house. They're super organized. Even my agent commented on how spotlessly clean they left it, even more clean than they needed to. Oh, nice. But you, we walked in the kitchen and they had like this perfect stack of all the manuals and then three little Ziploc bags with keys for the front door, keys for the back door, keys for the bathroom door. <laughs> Labeled like in Sharpie. <laughs> And then inside the bag, the keys were all on a ring with a little white tag that was also labeled. Wow. And these people were on top of it. Congratulations. Yes, and lots of signing and then walked out and that was it. Thank you. It feels, it feels mostly good to just have it be done. Because like I said, the first week after you make an offer, 
and it's accepted is just chaos. And then you sit around and wait for four or five or six weeks or however long. And then the close. Yeah. But it's that in between. It's like a purgatory. You're just kind of stuck. And now my house is a shit show with boxes. And (laughs) I finally, I was going to try to hold off as long as I could with the dishes and actually make food. Nah, that's done. Are you going out every night? Yeah, we're going to, everything's going to be takeout or something because I, I just, the kitchen is the most daunting part because there's so much to pack and you can't overpack boxes because it's heavy and fragile. Yeah. And I just want to have it done. So, and Laxton is cool with it. He doesn't mind. I mean, he's, I could get pizza like every night and he wouldn't care. So that's good. Now I just have to clean and get ready to move in two days, actually. Oh my God. I will move Friday. Holy shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that'll be great. If it, if it, Fortunately, there's not supposed to be any snow. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I'm having movers do it, which is the most exciting thing I can imagine. Best That is honestly the best decision you, you could make about this whole situation. Hiring. Movers. Oh, yeah. 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 I do not regret that at all. I And it actually worked out because if I were to do it myself, the two people that I would ask are both gone this weekend anyway. Mm -hmm. So even if I had wanted to, it wouldn't work and I don't want to. And when I told them I was going to hire movers, they were like, Oh fuck. Thank you. (laughs) We would have helped, but we really didn't want to help. And that's how everybody feels when they get asked to help someone move. You know, you do it because you're a good friend, but you hate it. Yeah. My mom is moving this weekend. Coincidentally. Wow. Yeah. It closer to you or where I No, uh, long story. They wanted to move out of this house that they've been in for at least 13 or 14. No, at least like almost 18 years. Oh, that's a big move. Okay. Yeah. And this is the house actually that uh, my children sort of identify with most because it's been around. They, I mean, they've lived in seven different houses, right? Right. Except that's never changed. Yeah. My mom's house has never changed. So they both sort of, they both cried when my mom decided to sell the house because they were so attached to it and the memories of, because they spend so much time with her and with the cousins and I'm really lucky that yeah, way. That's anyway, big. they wanted to downsize and they also didn't want to have to do yard work or do sidewalks because, you know, my stepfather is now 74 my mother is 73. They wanted to, so they were looking at condos. And then I guess, <sighs> I don't, I, I do not ever claim, <laughs> I mean, my mother and I are super similar, but I'm not ever going to claim to understand her reasoning for this. They looked into building a new home out in a place called Daybreak. And Daybreak is one of those manufactured communities. Is that, I think we've talked about Daybreak before. We probably have. Like kind of very cookie cutter Yeah. Yes. They they build okay. houses that sort of look like bungalows, sort of. But you okay, can tell. Okay, we did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell it's kind of almost a cartoonized version of bungalows. And they have little parks built into the community and ponds and little shops built into the community. And it's a, it's a planned situation. And you can buy a specific type of house and they will make a little bit of a modification for you here and there. So they, they built a house in Daybreak. And it has a yard that they have to mow a little bit. And it has... I was going to say, and they've got sidewalks. Yeah. So I mean, what it's the... smaller in terms okay. of like what they would have to do. But anyway, whatever. They're going to... Yeah. It makes my mom happy. So... Everybody's well, that done. is really all that matters. <laughs> and is it closer to you or not? No, it's actually f- ah, okay. much further away. Oh, wow. So we were all gathering on Saturday and she's sort of up against kind of what you are in terms of the holiday. They have had, she has been living with my sister since, since August. She's been living with your sister? Yeah. Okay. So they sold the house. They sold it. And while oh, they were building they this other one. Build. Uh, yes. Okay. That is your, okay, your sister is incredibly patient. I have <laughs> no idea. I, I know that, that your mother is lovely, but that's a lot to have. That's a long time. Um, they have been living with my sister. My mother and stepfather have been living with my sister since August. 
I don't know if I told you this anecdote. Um, the lawyer who read my book, uh, she had like six things that she wanted to go through. <clears throat> She's like, okay, you say this about this person, and even though you don't name this person's name, are they going to sue? <laughs> oh, wait. You had like a legal review? Oh, yeah. Oh. Is that a thing? Yeah. Well, I think it is. Like for for nonfiction, is that just sort of a standard? Well, I, I think it is because I go into, I don't go into gory detail, but I go into a lot of, you know, how I ended up so depressed. And it, it involves a lot of things that were said to me and, you know, relationships, how they, the dynamics of those things. So just to cover all bases. Yeah, basically. to cover all bases. Like she's like, has, you know, did this person really do this? And I was like, I have five friends who can testify that this person did that. Yes. So which person would that be? <laughs> just, I mean, you know, no spoilers, but. No, oh my God. no, God, <laughs> I seriously like I, we do these podcasts. Oh man. We do these podcasts and I get some random like person going, a friend of mine knows that you said this about so-and-so and this is not okay. And it's like, who the, f you're listening to my podcast. Wait, Just say really? It. Wow. Um, That's pretty wild. So the, the lawyer was really friendly about the whole thing. And she said, has anybody in your family read the book? And I was like, no, I wanted to wait and just sort of give it to them in book form. And she's like, I would really advise somebody in your family to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> so my mother, I give it to my mom. And I've, I've, I've spoken about this and written about this. And she was like, you need to pull back on some of the language around this and around this, even though all of it is true. All of it is completely you know, validated, but let's pull back on this for this reason. And she was very smart to tell me that. Ah, okay. You know, my mother and I have are as close as we can possibly be. And we also give each other shit all the time. And during my treatments, my mother, I discovered, so my mother usually would walk like 25,000 steps a day. That's, that used to be her thing. Her energy That's now. That's an insane amount of walking. It's by an the way. insane. It's like yeah. 11 miles a day. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, her energy in recent years has turned more towards talking. Okay. A lot of talking. A lot of talking. I love you, Mom. Um, and I wrote about this, and, and I distinctly remember this scene in my head where I'm, we're sitting and we're waiting in the waiting room at the hospital where I got the treatment. And we sit down. I fill out my paperwork. My mom starts to talk about something to do with the family, and I look over at my stepdad, and he has this look on his face that's like, oh, God, thanks. Thank God she's talking to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Just relief to not actually have like, to pay I'm not attention the only in an audience. engaged way. I'm not the only audience. I can, I can zone out and not pay attention and look at something else. And I even joked with... Uh, the doctor, I was like, when I'm out, I apologize for all the talking that my mom's going to do. And she flipped me off. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. So she's reading the book and she <laughs> she says to my step to my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, his name is Steve. And she's like, Steve, do I talk a lot? And Steve has the most amazing sense of humor. And he's like, did Heather say that about you? Linda, not you. You don't talk ever. <laughs> <laughs> She's not even aware? Like, I she, I don't think that, I mean, it's fine. She's, I mean, everything that she talks about is interesting, but it's a lot. It's it's increased right. is the thing. I think that's the, the thing about it is like she talks a lot. So now she's like 10 words for every step mm -hmm. she's not taking. Yeah. She should be on. We should have her on. Oh, my mother definitely needs to be on. But Linda, I know you listen to these. <laughs> you need to join us on the spiral. Maybe she'll put on her headphones this weekend as we're moving her. She's sort of, okay, so she's sort of in the same situation you are. Up against the holidays, we're hoping that it's not supposed to snow on Saturday. But if she doesn't get the stuff out of her pod, she's had it in a pod since August. If okay. she doesn't get the stuff out of the pod, all of it out of the pod by Monday, 
they owe another $700 on the pod. Oh, yeah. They've got to pay for like the whole period. Yeah. So um, all of us are headed over. I think there's actually two pods. And we're going to, you know, there's. I think there's going to be like 30 of us. I mean, grandkids and all of their husbands and all of the husband's brothers and all that stuff. So. Well, that'll go quick. Yeah. Theoretically. I, I mean, told her, I was like, I kind of pulled a muscle on my shoulder. I can't really lift anything. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Well, I, when I got the estimate, they, you know, they ask like how many bedrooms and does you have any pianos or, you know, big things. She said, okay, well, that'll be, you know, one truck, three guys, seven to eight hours. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't own any furniture. Like, I know that this is a two-bedroom home, but I, I mean, I own one dresser, one ottoman, and a sofa, and then I've got beds. Like, I could I could do it with a friend in less than eight hours. Yeah. And you're bringing three guys who do this for a living, and they're only going to have to make one trip. Like, there's no way did, it's going to take eight hours. Did you hours. say that to her? I told her. She said, well, if that's fine. She said, if it takes less, then we just charge you less by the hour. So it's, it's okay, but I, I'm looking around and I, it, it kind of made me realize again what a quote-unquote normal two-bedroom house would look like. Yeah. Like the furnishings that would be there that I don't have. And in part, when I moved in here, there were two tables and chairs. So I just didn't buy them. So it's not like my house is empty of furniture. I just didn't need to provide it. Right. Which is great moving out. I mean, it also means that I now have rooms to fill and space and you know <laughs> that's I really the just fun part <laughs> it. it is i'm i'm honestly looking forward to it and for the most part the paint colors in the house are not bad there's two rooms that are a little rough because one of them is this like 1960s blue and then one room is just a dark brown so it makes the whole room dark are you gonna paint, paint those those i'm going to paint okay. yes and fortunately, because I don't have a dining table, that room will just be wide open to paint. And it's got a nasty chandelier. But it's all these little odds and ends that are like things I can pick at as I go. Hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot. And it's going to be... It's going to be a lot for a while. Fortunately, I mean... Obviously, Lexton has seen the house. I took him there after I got the keys and everything but then he's actually with heather this weekend so i'll have a weekend to kind of sort and unpack and assemble things and get some of that done yeah because i can be in a house that's in disarray but he i know he'll just be bored or there'll be nowhere to sit or there you know <laughs> you know how it is i do yeah so that's gonna be it's gonna be a thing for a while it's exciting it's a lot it is the holiday season, but you will start the new year in a new in a new environment. Yes. Yeah. A new year in a new environment. I moved for my own reasons when I wanted to move and and I think I don't remember if I mentioned this last week, but I I did sit down with Lexton and I said, you know, I just I have to say this. Is the last time we moved, it sucked. I said neither of us particularly wanted to move. I said it wasn't really a happy time. It wasn't great but we did okay. He said, this time we're moving because we want to move and it's our choice and it's a good thing. He said, I, you know, I want you to, to remember that. And I felt like as soon as I sat down and had that conversation with him, it kind of, I could see it help him transition. Really? Like, oh yeah, we're not, we're not having to do anything. This is a choice and it's a good choice. Yeah. Because he, I mean, I texted you about it. There's almost this it's almost like a PTSD, like I'm packing up my life and having this flashback to three and a half years ago when everything was falling apart. Right. And it was good to just remind myself that nothing is falling apart. Like I chose to make this happen for all the right reasons. Well, and you got, not only that, but you got through all of that. You yes. survived all of that. You came through the fucking fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a, oh, man. <sighs> Yes, and I have I have come out on the other side, mm -hmm. and I do have I have some a little bit of furniture to pick up, and I've been trying to figure out like 
whose car I can borrow and go get it and, you know, this and that. And my friend Emily, who we had on the on the podcast a while back, she kept saying, she's like, I'll, I'll pick it up. I have an SUV. I can pick it up and bring it. I'm like, no, 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 I'll figure it out. And just this morning she t- texted. She's like, just fucking accept help. <laughs> like, I am picking it up and we're not talking about it anymore. Like, the last thing you need to do is try to figure this out right now. And I, it, there's no reason she can't. She's actually closer to it. She's got a better vehicle for it. She actually has the time. But it was so hard to allow that. Yeah. I would rather, like, destroy my, I mean, I would rather damage my shoulder than accept the help. That is what it amounts to. But I'm allowing it. And that has actually taken a bunch of stress off. A move is really where you sort of uncover just how uncomfortable you are with accepting help. Like if you're paying for the help, you're just whatever. Yeah, dude, move it. Right. Yeah, you're buying a service. Yeah. But asking for like free volunteer friendly, hey, can you help me move this thing? It's like. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah. And and then you realize how long you've been that way. Mm-hmm. Because I have another couple of friends who for the last few weeks have been saying, let us know what we can do to help. Let us know what we can do to help. And finally texted. And they're like. We're going to decide what we can do to help and just help because we know you're not going to ask. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. So I appreciate that because really I'm, it's not that I don't want it. It's just that I don't, I don't want to accept it. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird. Like I know there's 15 things I could take help on and it would be great. But if I do them myself, I don't have to inconvenience anyone. It is so ridiculous. It is it is ridiculous. And and I think that's a, a good point that your friends sort of make. And I've heard this quite a bit. And I experienced this quite a bit. Like people who've been through, like like Hurricane Harvey. I remember there was a, a friend whose house was, I mean, there was like six feet of water throughout the entire house. It destroyed their home. And people were just like, let us know. Let us know. And they didn't even know where to begin like they didn't ha- they had no idea what to do or what they were going to need or how that how to even navigate what had happened and so a very very smart and intuitive friend stepped in and put together an Amazon list and sent it out to all of us and said I've been through a flood before and this is what they're going to need and if you can provide anything on this list we're going to give it to, send it to her and anything she doesn't need we'll send back so when I had Lita and went through the shock of having a baby both physically and emotionally Several of our close friends just brought us food. Without really asking, just would yes, come over. Yes, they would and... show up and ha- they would be like, this is for dinner tonight and this is for lunch and dinner tomorrow and then this is for the next night. And it was like, oh my God, I didn't know I needed that. Right. Holy shit, thank you so much. I was hungry. <laughs> right. And there's a huge weight lifted mm-hmm. because not only do you not have to cook, but you don't even have to think about buying the groceries, yeah. planning a meal. So they did they coordinate with themselves like you you're going to bring dinner this night and they coordinated with a couple of other friends and yep. so they fed us for like 3 3 weeks they just showed up with like casseroles and you know like uh, Costco lasagna that type of thing um, yeah knowing that having been through it themselves a couple of times like they're going to need to be fed they're not going to have any idea where they are they're going to be sleep deprived she's going to be in a lot of pain and when it comes to moving, it's just like, you need, you're going to need my car or you're going to need me to help you lift these things. And you're going to need me to help you pack your dishes. You know, there's things right. where like, oh, yeah, that has to happen. Oh, God. Yeah. And it's things that like, I think somewhere in my head, I know I need, but because everything else is going on, you kind of don't pay attention. So you need those people on the outside. We're like, oh, clearly he needs this. Yeah. Like I would need that. And then it's a matter of accepting, or I guess maybe just not rejecting, mm-hmm. which is my first go-to. Not rejecting, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But that that was my weekend has been packing and prepping for this. But you, you were gone. I, you were seeing the sights and sounds in New Mexico. The sights and sounds in New Mexico. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Santa Fe and Taos, New Mexico. Yeah. And this was with Every Mother Counts, right? Every Mother Counts. We had a board meeting in Santa Fe. Uh, we are funding um, an organization that does work with indigenous uh, communities. Oh, okay. And so we visited, I don't know, as a person who lives in the West, so I've never been to Taos. When you hear about Taos, I get this vision in my head of it looking like Park City or Aspen or some sort of ski town. Right. And it's not like that at all. It is actually a very, very poor uh, community. We visited, it's called the Taos Pueblo, which is, I believe, the oldest Pueblo in the country. It's an Ameri- It's a World Heritage Site where people actually still live in original buildings on this land. Oh, wow. Without electricity, without running water. It was fascinating to see the culture and to hear them talk about birth ceremonies and what they're up against. They're up against not only traditional medicine and the American government, they're also up against a very patriarchal culture that doesn't necessarily value the input of women when it comes to anything. So they're fighting a lot of different battles there. And interestingly, like the mortality rate for mothers and infants there is not nearly as bad as you would expect it to be. The problem that they face most is the opioid crisis. Really? Yeah. I would not have across the board in in that community specifically in northern New Mexico. Wow. Yeah. And does it cross um, gender? So I mean, are they dealing with like birth issues related to opioids? What's the? Yeah, yeah, and you lo- wow. a lot of them are on like they're being sent to uh, the ho- sent to hospitals where they either can't afford care or. Medicaid doesn't cover what they're going through. There's, it's just a really complicated issue. And luckily, there are these women in these communities who understand those issues. So we were there to listen to them and to hear what they need needed. Santa Fe, and I had some sort of mental block in my head. Santa Fe is is southeast of, of Salt Lake. Okay. It's an hour and a half flight. So in my head, I'm thinking, and I have been to Santa Fe before, and in my head, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a little bit warmer. <laughs> it's fucking dead wrong. It was so cold. It's funny because you posted a photo of snow. Mm-hmm. And it totally threw me off for the exact same reason. Because when you said, yeah, I'm going to Santa Fe, I had the same idea in my head. That it would be a little more mild. And then you posted snow. I'm like, holy shit. Freezing. I guess that makes sense now that I think of it. But it's weird. Whenever we do these trips, so we, we always visit the the communities and the organizations that we're funding, and then we usually have a board meeting that usually lasts like six or seven hours, <laughs> and, and then we do some sort of like cultural experience. So we went to this, um, there's a Native American sculptor named, I think his name is Alan uh, Houses. That is his name? Hauser. Alan Hauser. Hauser, okay. And he has this beautiful, beautiful outdoor sculpture garden of all the work that he did out on the outskirts of Santa Fe. And we took a tour of the sculpture garden right at sundown. And then uh, they organized um, a Native American dance for us to, to watch. And it was so cold. Really? Yeah. <laughs> And it, the sun was setting, and then a wind picked up. And oh yeah! Like the and this is going to sound like I'm such a an insensitive asshole. We were sitting there watching the dance, and my body was shaking uncontrollably from shivering. 
and my teeth were starting to chatter. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> she gets up, the, the woman who, who was like introduced the dance, and she's like, like, after 30 minutes of this, they sort of walked away. And she's like, they're going to get a drink of water. And then when they get back, we'll do part two. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so cold. Holy shit. Holy shit. It was a really, really wonderful experience. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of the country. It is amazing to witness work going on this close to home when normally I'm witnessing work being done in like Haiti or Tanzania or Bangladesh. Like uh, to see that, you know, we're funding these com communities that are very, very, very close to where I live. Um, that was good. Well, I think it's important to, I think it's easy in America especially when you're white to look at like Haiti and Bangladesh and anywhere that's not here and think of them as just poor and needy mm -hmm. and we're cool. We're good because you just overlook the areas here that need it or you don't know about them. Oh, we're the 46th country when it comes to maternal mortality. We are the worst in the developing world. When it comes to women dying in childbirth, the worst. Well, you, yeah, and it, you mentioned like it's a complicated issue, and it and it is, and I'm not totally not diminishing that, but it's it's also infuriating because it's not a fucking complicated issue. Like, give people the care they need. <laughs> like, I, I mean, honestly, like that to me is not complex. Medicare for all, Medicare for all, Medicare for all. <laughs> I keep I repeating mean, that. <laughs> God. Yeah. Just getting, just getting people like, the care that they need. Yeah. If you're going to have a child, you shouldn't be worried about whether or not you can pay to give birth to that child, you know? Right. And survive it. Yeah. And survive it and then be able to take care of it. And it's just, I mean, I know there's not like a switch to flip to fix it, but it's not complicated to help people. Like, it's just, it's common sense. It's common sense. Well, it doesn't make a, it doesn't make a lot of common sense to to a lot of Americans though, and we have to sort of break through that. Well, it doesn't make common sense, I think, for a lot of people until those people find themselves in that position of need, mm -hmm. and then suddenly it makes perfect sense. Not that Christy wasn't aware of it before. So Christy Turlington started the organization. She gave birth in, in a birthing center. Uh, she had a, um, an unmedicated birth. I believe she wanted to do it at home, but her husband convinced her to go to the birthing center and she had a lovely, lovely, lovely birth. And then she had, and then she, she had a hemorrhage, oh, wow. a, a very unpleasant experience according to her, but they, you know, rushed to her care and took care of it and were able to stop the bleeding. And, you know, she was sent home for bed rest and whatnot. And she, I believe was doing I think she was actually doing a photo shoot in Peru and she had taken her mother with her and they were visiting. She's very good about this. She's so, she's one of the most fascinating people alive. She loves to and really get to know the culture of wherever she's going. So they were visiting Peru and they were visiting, you know, she's doing a really high fashion photo shoot. And then she, she visits basically the village where they're, where they're staying and finds out that the number one reason that women died in that community was her specific complication during birth. Oh, her exact, not just complications, but what happened to what her? What happened to her? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. The exact thing that happened to her was the number one killer of women in the village where she was visiting. And that really, really transformed her. And she went home completely, you know, overwhelmed with the idea of that. And that's what started the whole thing. Um. Interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, believe, I, think that, I believe that's the number one complication around the world is postpartum hemorrhage and not being able to stop it. Basically, women bleed to death. And there's so many, I mean, there's so many ways you can treat a hemorrhage. It's so treatable. And that's why it's so devastating. I know we've gone off on this tangent, but cause I've just been living it for the last four or five days. It's, no, it's and it's important. And so, so I, um, I had my cousin watch my kids while I was gone because my mother was getting ready for her move. 
and I'm with these communities who are super close to each other and, um, you know, they're, we're, we're constantly talking about maternal mortality and infant mortality. And I walk home, I get home and I walk through the door. <laughs> I love my kids and I miss them dearly. But both of them were in terrible moods, just angry. They were tired and like, why did you leave again? I, didn't, I can't, don't leave ever. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, literally, you guys, I was gone for three days. This is the last trip. I don't even have another trip planned, which has never happened before. So I'm here. But they were in such terrible moods. And it's just like, man, the circle of life is interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're also, I mean, especially Marlo. Mm-hmm. Like, not at the point where they can say, well, you know, it sucks that you were gone, but you were doing this really important thing. Yeah. Like for Marlo, it doesn't matter. She doesn't care. Doesn't care what you were doing. You just weren't there. Yeah. You know, when they're older, although, I mean, Lita's totally old enough, but was maybe just in a shitty mood, which, yeah, I get. It happens. But yeah, that uh, that must have made re-entry really excellent. It was, and they've been in a rotten mood ever since. I think a lot of it has, I, I, I sent you a picture of the inversion, and I can actually post that. Oh, yeah, that's insane. There's an inversion going on. That is just insane, and it is dark outside, and it's not fog. It's pollution. Um, It was fog last week, and then what happens is the air above the valley gets really warm and traps everything that's underneath it, including clouds, and then the clouds get mixed with emissions and whatnot, and it just becomes this gook. Yeah, it was like, I mean, the photo that that you sent me, it looks like the photos of San Francisco fog. Yeah. Like, right? That's how thick it is. And it's, that was insane. Yeah, it's insane. And actually, Marla went to therapy for the first time in a while last night. And a lot has happened. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot. Just in life, you mean? Yeah. A lot has happened yeah. in life. And I told her therapist about it all. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. And I said, and I jokingly said, you know, maybe it's the air. And he said, actually, um, I have seen the correlation so often in my patients that it cannot be a fluke that when the inversion gets this bad, that many of us get into a really, really bad funk. Well, it seems, I mean, I've never experienced it, but it seems like it would almost create this sort of oppressive cabin fever in a way. Yeah, it's a it's just dark outside. And I mean it already you know daylight is very fleeting because of the of the season. But it it, it it's not fog. You literally can't see down the street and it's all pollution. You can't see the sun, you can't see the sky um for days and days and days on end. So I think there's something to be said. I mean obviously the daylight sure. But I think there's something to be said for a lack of color. Yeah. And when everything just becomes a gray. That is a very I good. I mean, winter's that's exactly, gross anyway. That's exactly what I've been trying to articulate. Oh, my God. That's exactly what I've been trying to articulate in the, for the last two days. Yeah, because you look out. I mean, especially when there's winter is is bleak anyway, because there's no leaves. The sky is usually kind of gray. But at least when you can see, things pop out. Yeah. But when you then have that haze hanging. It's like everything just becomes washed in nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty damn bleak. It's like you take the, the saturation in Photoshop and just take it all. You don't go necessarily black and white. You just take the saturation down to the point where it's just like, ugh. Like you'd right. almost rather it be black and white. Yeah, because then you have like you have no color rather than this tease of just yeah. gross color. Yeah. Yeah, so that's and but you said right before we started recording, I think that it's starting to snow. So hopefully that will help. We hope that the snow usually comes through and sort of washes away the the inversion and sort of like changes the temperature up above the up, up above the gook. So it's right. the t- it's the temperature problem. So the sun heats up the 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 top of the valley and the the lower part of the valley is cold. So since warm air rises, the warm air is trapping everything in the valley. And wow. it, yeah, it's snowing. And I was like, oh, I was like, thank God it's snowing. <laughs> <laughs> That's intense. Who is yeah. this? Who is this woman? I don't know. 
You're going to be shoveling with glee just because the inversion will be over. <laughs> I can't shovel. I've pulled my arm. That's right. Also, so San- you, you still will, though. Well, so Santa Fe has is just at an incredible place to go shopping for. I mean, they have all the this art and they have all the, the, the these things that have been made on these reservations that are just beautifully like the color on purses and coats and shirts are and the weaving is just majestic and we bought a whole bunch of presents for the kids and then they have this balsamic vinegar shop that has like 60 different kinds of balsamic vinegar and 60 different can you sample them oh yes oh yes oh god i love those so we bought like a box of that and I had all this room in my, in my checked luggage and I, <laughs> I just picked it up and I literally, I, I almost heard a pop go off in my arm and man, things when you, as you get older, you're just, things start to hurt longer. <laughs> yeah. The recovery <laughs> and you, and takes you hear a lot these longer. Noises, you're like, Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. I mean, and it doesn't help. And I'm going to try to be as vague as possible because this isn't about me, but it doesn't help that when you get to your 40s, and people told me that this would start happening, but when you get to your 40s, people around you start getting sick. Like your friends and your loved ones start to get sick when you are in your 40s. They are at the age where disease happens. Oh, you're talking like major illness. Yeah. Not just, yeah. Major yep. life-threatening illnesses start to happen as you enter your 40s and you realize, oh, like all these friends that I have are aging and yeah, mortality becomes extraordinarily vivid. The same thing, I it's been a little while, but I felt like, and I talked to my dad probably as often as you talk to your mom, and there was a period of time where like every couple days... He was telling me about a, a person that he knew or a friend who had died. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, he made a similar comment. He's like, I guess I'm at that age now where this is happening. Like where it's not a surprise that people are starting to die. And he's not, I mean, he's in his sixties. He's not that old. So he's not like acting like the end is near, but it's, it's weird for him to have these people he's known for 40 years dying. Yeah. Of, of I mean, of cancer or you know, Alzheimer's or whatever it is. And it's, it was kind of a, a weird point for him because there were quite a few in a short span of time. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for me then in my thirties, because nobody I know is dying. Like nobody is, is terminally ill. Who's my age, fortunately. And I, I realize how, how fortunate that is, but it's like every year you get older, that just becomes a, a reality. Yeah. So I haven't ever lost anyone very close to me, which I know is sort of an an anomaly as as a woman at the age of 43. Um, I haven't really ever lost anyone very close to me. I mean, I've lost my grandparents, but they were at the age where it was, it wasn't unexpected. I haven't ever unexpectedly lost someone or and faced that sort of reality. I haven't written about this and I, only because I haven't processed it and I, and I want to do it the right way, but um, it, uh, there is a woman in my community. Her name is uh, Rebecca Wolf. Do you know Girls Gone Child? Yes. Yes. So her husband, ah, okay. I believe on his 44th birthday, was diagnosed with cancer, um, pancreatic cancer. And they have four kids under the age of 12 or 13, and including twins. And... You know, over the course of three or four months, she documented his descent into death um, on Instagram. And it was the most beautiful and poetic and sad and gut-wrenching thing to witness. But she did it in such a way that it was it was very edifying for me as someone who's never lost anyone like that. And that was her way of coping? Like, that was kind of how she processed yeah, it? She's she's a poetic person in, just in general and literally, like, the kindest, most heart-filled human being ever. And the way she wrote about it and the way she wrote about her children throughout the whole process, it was just a beautiful, beautiful tribute to him and his life and 
his role as a father and um which i think was a gift because while i was in santa fe i am sitting at this dinner with 15 people um involved with with every mother counts when i get a text from jex from john who has informed me that his girlfriend's um ex has died wow and I had no idea that it was going to hit me like it did. Um, and I put my phone down and I was like, I'm, I'm going to finish dinner. <laughs> and Cowboy's sitting next to me and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And he's like, we, sh- we can leave. And I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. Because I think what it, what it is is it, this affects my kids. Uh, they, you know, they love um, – his girlfriend's children. I mean, they adore his girlfriend's children and now they understand that their father has, has passed and that those, those girls are going to be dealing with that, especially over Christmas while they're there. Right. I, I don't even remember like it, it, it overcame me so, so quickly and swiftly that like, I just, I turned to cowboy and I just started, I started bawling and he's like, let's leave, let's leave, let's leave. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Let's go. Let's go. So, got back to the hotel room so that I could sort of like be messy without, (laughs) without being in front of 15 very, very, very professional people. Right. Um, but what Rebecca had, had chronicled, you know, he was 44 years old and he died. Um, John's girlfriend's ex was 42. Wow. And what Rebecca did was she sort of gave me a language to use to talk to my kids about it. And I have her to thank for that. And I need to reach out to her actually and tell her that, that she did that. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, and you, you texted me about that. And at the time, you know, having not had this conversation, I didn't really think about it, but this is going to sound terribly grim and I don't mean it to, but it's almost like, because you were you were kind of saying to me in the text like it hit you a lot harder than you thought but when you think about it having never lost someone and then you're kind of following you followed the story from rebecca on instagram and then this happens to john's girlfriend's ex it's almost like that the reality that is getting older and the reality of illness is taking steps closer to your life. God, I knew that's what you were going to say. And I, do, I don't mean that in it because it is the reality of what happens. But yeah. I think that that could have been why you processed it. Like, you know, you, you might not have known him well or at all. And he's not in your family, but he is somehow connected to your girls. He is very much so. I mean, John's girlfriend is very much a part of my children's lives. Right. Very much a part of my children's lives. She's a surrogate mother when they go to New York and she is now dealing with this grief and processing it. And John and I have gotten to a point. I actually have, I think I have 15 texts from him right now. <laughs> like unread? Like, uh, unread. Um, like wow. while, while we've been talking, we're, we're coordinating Christmas gifts this year. Oh yeah. You mentioned that. And going in like halvesies on a whole bunch of stuff. And like right now we're coordinating what we're, what we're planning to do. So you know, he and I have come a really, really long way. And I know that my kids love his girlfriend and love his girlfriend's children and that this affects them. And I, I, I feel so much for them that way. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That is a lot at the end of a, at the end of a year. (laughs) You know, I, I, we're running long, but Everybody talks about like how 2016 was the worst year. No, 2017 was the worst year and 2018 was the worst year. And I have to give thanks and gratitude for what I have experienced this year and seen and touched and tasted and heard. And um, yeah, uh, a lot has happened. A lot has, you know, there's been bad news, but I was talking to an ad agency yesterday about this. There's something about the process of getting older when 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 everything that is important really 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 comes into focus. And my right. kids are healthy 
and mostly happy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I that is what I'm holding on to. Which is all you really need to hold on to. Yeah. I mean, I think the important things come into focus and you just realize that it's okay to let go of the other things. Yeah. Because they don't they just don't matter. And it's, it is really easy to look to look back and say, well, this was the worst or that was the worst or this was the worst, but there's always good. There's always and good. This is coming from an eternal pessimist. But there is always <laughs> There's always good. John Bray, a single man, eternal pessimist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, even I look back at 2015 when everything in my life just fell apart. And there were some really shitty parts of that year, but there were also some really amazing parts. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because sometimes I think when you, you know, you end a relationship, any relationship, all you can kind of remember are the positives. Like you focus on those positives and you don't know, like, why didn't it, why didn't it work out? What happened? But when you're kind of evaluating life in general, it's almost the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like all the bad highlights come out and it's weird. Maybe it's just me. But that's definitely what happens <laughs> no, to me. no, I think, I think you have a point. I do think you have a point. Uh, and really quickly here at the end, I'm about to go. So, so Remember when we talked about Marlowe giving a presentation about Alexander Hamilton? Yes, you had a you had a snippet on your story, or you posted on Instagram or something. Well, I I was supposed to have missed it because I was supposed to have been in Italy when she did it, but it got postponed, and so it's today. Oh my God, where your dad's going? My dad is going to be there. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! And she was my mother came over on Monday, and we were practicing. She was practicing it in front of me, my mother, my stepfather, and Lita. And she gets to the part where she says, and I would like to introduce my grandfather, Mike Hamilton, who is the 17th cousin of Alexander Hamilton. And and so they're going to, uh, you know, mimic a duel. And she starts to do this duel and I stop her and I'm like, okay, so who's going to be Alexander Hamilton? And my mom's like, oh, your dad's going to do that. I said, well, is he going to pretend to die? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, he needs to pretend to die. <laughs> My stepdad goes, if he falls over, he ain't ever getting up. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and Lita goes, I can't with this family. I just can't with this family. It's <laughs> so awesome. Oh, man. And I, you know, as I was just sitting there and I was like, ah, this right here, this little moment is life. And I'm so grateful for it. So there. That's awesome. Yeah. And I hope, I hope you record it. Oh, yes. There will be, oh, there man. will be footage. That is, that is fantastic. I'm glad you didn't miss it, too. Yeah. Congratulations on your move. Next time we speak, you will be there. Uh, yes, this is the last time I will be recording in this house. So I might be sitting on cardboard boxes next week, mm -hmm. but I will be in a new place. So I will be happily sitting on cardboard boxes. Good theoretically so we kind of uh we kind of jumped around mm -hmm. touched on some big issues here but we do that that's why all of our listeners love it because they just never know where it's I gonna love go it. nicole in the comment shot to nicole was it last week or the week before when i mentioned the brad pitt gif oh yeah 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 that was was that last i don't know i feel well, like that was she, not last she listened week, to the but... episode and, and like the moment i said something about that gif she found it and sent it to me <laughs> oh really yeah Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> she knew exactly which gift I was talking about. So, that's and I so sent awesome. you that gift after yes, you signed you your did. papers. So, when I said John Bray, a single man, <laughs> which is honestly a perfect gift for single men. It's, <laughs> I mean, it really is. Yes. So, and I, I, I do know uh, there's at least a couple emails having to do with moving, and I'm not ignoring those. It's just been, you know, moving. So I am reading them and I will reply and I do appreciate all of the helpful suggestions in terms of how to survive this chaos and we will get back to you. And in the meantime, if you have any other thoughts about moving or New Mexico or death, I guess, mm -hmm. you can email us as always to stories at manicramblings.com and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at manicramblings. And, of course, Patreon to help keep this show up and running. So that would be patreon.com slash manicramblings. 
And until next time, remember, John Bray, a single man, eternal, no, (laughs) eternal pessimist. Eternal pessimist. Eternal pessimist extraordinaire. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.